Originating from and currently residing within the mostly great city of New Orleans for more than the better bit of my lifetime, the visage and memory of slavery tends to stand that much more vividly in the periphery. My own family having been plantation owners along the Mississippi makes the abhorrent practice all the more tangible. Now, I've never quite had the courage inside to make the inquiry about my ancestors' propensity for whites owning non-whites. It just always seemed like a thing I didn't need to ask. Alongside the fact that white people's history of being garbage hinted at whatever answers my adolescent mind may have thirsted for. Having the history of the everyday horror show that was the enslavement of an entire race very much ingrained into my psyche from an early age, nothing from that specific time period surprises me. The disgusting acts mentioned in this very show are as shocking as they are because we as a people have arrived at a mindset that values humanity. Well, I would like to imagine that most of us have. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. everybody out there in internet land and in internet um islands and in internet isthmuses and in and those in the dungeon and i'm not no, wearing any pants whoever is wearing pants on this show if you're wearing pants you don't deserve to be on the show first of all second of all take them pants off go ahead we'll wait get with the program mm, welcome to another Pretty fucking sweet episode of See No Hear No Speak No. Yeah, you notice how he how he pretty fucking sweets up his own goddamn episodes, huh? I know what it's about. Every other episode is just riveting. Now his well, are I mean, pretty fucking sweet. Well, I know what it's about, man. Come on. Yeah, you know what it's about. It's about favoritism, Jason. That's what it's about. You're right. And tinfoil hats. And, oh, for sure. And you're right, you're right. For sure. And free balling. So, Chris. Mm-hmm. UFOs, conspiracies, Chris is <laughs> dropping the ball, and murder. And murder. And not me today. Nope, That's Rob's true. not here, man. I took over this time. Open the door, man. It's Dave. And you know what, Rob? I was thinking uh, maybe you could be the guy that remembers to give people the uh, the email address. The see no, hear no, speak no pod at gmail.com? That is the exact one. That's the that one I was talking that? about, yeah. That's a good job you did there, Rob. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Your mother and I, you know, we think you've grown a lot. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> We think it's about time that you know the family secret. <laughs> I don't know enough family secrets. I don't want to know no more. Rob, ignorance no, is bliss. No, this is the family secret. You're not a tr- you're you're not a true the builder until you know this secret. <gasps> what? Okay, the family secret is He lost it. He totally did. 
Hey, yeah, I was I was gonna say something terrible, but then I was like, <laughs> I don't know. What if his family listens to this one day and like, I don't want them to hate me. I don't care much if Rob does, but hmm. <laughs> likely excuse. Yeah. So, so we'll just say that a uh, a tree fell on his parents while they were telling him the secret, and now he'll never know. I think you you need to <sighs> apologize to the kids out there for blowing a joke. That's what I think. How about uh, at least I attempt to blow jokes. <laughs> I just tell them I don't do that. That's right. <laughs> a 20 is a 20, let me tell you. Mm. <laughs> Not even Only the jokes dumb. paid. Mm. So, uh, you, are you, do you guys, you guys, it's my episode this week. Yay! And the chorus of angels sing. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah? Yeah? yeah. Rob, Rob, you excited to know what, what my, uh, my episode's about? I about the edge of my seat. Oh well, that's a, a very precarious place to sit. You should maybe scoot back a little bit. We don't need you falling and hurting your old man hips. So yeah, I might break a hip. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my episode this week, uh, because you know we've been uh, we've been all over the place lately, really. And I figured, uh, why go back to home base when you can just stay all over the place a little further? Um, cool. This does have uh my my patented uh bit of just horrible terrible human beings in it for sure but yeah. this will be our first true ghost story Ooh. Huh. you guys scared it's true huh mm-hmm yep we have not yet done one i don't even think we've had like a like a you know hey maybe ghosts happen because of this kind of story you know i'm a little disappointed in us actually now that yeah you mentioned that i and you know i i wanted to bring ghost stories uh a while ago i for some, when australia first started listening to us i looked so fucking hard for like some kind of australia-centric uh ghost story and there were a few but none of them were like okay, there's this lady in white that haunts this place because she used to live here and blah, blah, you know, story about why the fuck she's so angry and is here. It's just, oh, there's this old brewery and there's this old lady that haunts the place. No reasoning, no nothing because of and or why. There's just some old lady there. Fuck you. It's the first place she tapped the cake. Exactly. So, (laughs) but this one, uh, the ghost stories come well and deserved. Uh, here because holy fuck is this not a pleasant story we are also not only having our first uh, ghost story but we are returning for the first time since the very first episode back to my and Chris's hometown of New Orleans so this should be fun I was just about to say that if you couldn't find a ghost story anywhere else you're not going to find them like they are in New Orleans Absolutely. Maybe in England. Yeah, maybe. It's it's super old out there, so, you know. Yeah. Bunch of senile old folks making stuff up anyway. So, the the central the central point of this whole tale is on Madame Lalaurie, whom uh I had found out because I had actually never watched it is also uh Kathy Bates' character on the New Orleans uh, season of, uh, what is it, American Horror Story, which I've only watched one season of that show. I enjoyed it greatly, but I didn't watch that one. 
Uh, so I don't know. That was my favorite season. But I hear that they played uh, pretty fast and loosey goosey with uh, with a lot of the uh, facts and and true world things having to do with these people. So I mean, I'm sure that you know some points were handled uh, well, but we're gonna get down to the the nittiest, grittiest, nitty gritty that we can find. The nitty gritty titty now, committee, that a if you will. Universal truth there that you've got all this tourist shit around you and you never go. No matter where you live, you never go to all the tourist shit that's around you. Right. Well, yeah. Because uh, yeah. mm. isn't our house a museum now? Yeah. It It is. Um, it's not like a, a museum of horrors uh, or anything like that. It, it's more uh, an old an old world uh, New Orleans type museum. <clears throat> more a, uh, a an overarching history with a, uh, you know... A, a stapled on oh and this happened here kind of deal more than this is the, Boo, the house of, of terrors known as the Lolori. um so we're gonna start our story off with uh with the lady herself uh marie delphine mccarty or as it was anglic- anglicized later uh mccarthy which i will i think be calling anytime i have to say mccarthy I'm going to say it that way just because uh, I don't know just reading McCarty just looks like McCarthy so it's probably going to come out like that anyway mm-hmm. she was born March 19th 1787 so this was quite a while ago and it is it's speculated that uh, she died December 7th 1849 uh, she was more commonly known as Madame Blanc until her third marriage and subsequent infamy remodeled her Madame LaLaurie. She was a New Orleans Creole socialite and alleged murderer who was infamous for torturing and likely murdering her household slaves. Interesting character she was. Seems like, and and this is horribly crass, but I can't think of a nicer way to put it right now. Uh, Seems like a waste of money. Indeed, you know that's one way. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if put in the mindset of uh, you know 18th century, uh, you know, uh, plantation owner, that seems like it's uh, you know you could be smarter with your uh, investments. Money. Yeah, investments. We'll call them that. <clears throat> so, uh, like I said, she was born March nineteenth, seventeen eighty-seven. She was one of five kids. Uh, her dad was uh, Louis Barthelemy de McCarthy, uh, who was originally named uh, uh, Cav- Chevalier de McCarthy, whose, whose father, uh, Barthelemy, uh, bought the fam- brought the family to New Orleans uh, from Ireland around 1730. So their family has been here a long time. Uh-huh. That was actually during the uh, the French colonial period. Stinking um, Irish. They, yeah. Well, the French, but from Ireland. And then their Irish surname, uh, which was McCarty, uh, McCarthy, <laughs> was shortened to McCarty or D. McCarty. Uh, her mom was Marie Jean L'Erable. Okay, so that last name is Big L. Apostrophe Big E R A B L E Le Arab 
right? Interesting. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Uh, who is also known as the widow Le Comte. Her marriage to Louis B. McCarty uh, being her second. Uh, so both were really fucking prominent in the town's white Creole community. They fucking came from and had money. Um, Delphine's uncle by marriage, who was uh, Esteban Rodriguez Miro, was governor of the, uh, the Spanish-American provinces of Louisiana and Florida during 1785 to 1791. And her cousin, her cousin uh, Augustine D. McCarthy, was mayor of New Orleans from 1815 to 1820. Now, yeah, they got I want to take... I want to take like a quick little aside here and talk about uh, Augustine, the uh, you know the mayor of New Orleans from 1815 to 1820. He um, he actually was a mayor of some note. Um, so he uh, he was a member of of course the influential Creole family, uh, and one of the last Spanish governors of Louisiana. Uh, he brought. Uh, he was brought to the mayoralty. <laughs> is that is that a word? Close enough. Uh, by the resignation of his pre- the previous mayor, um, but then served two full terms, uh, which he was elected in in both by landslides. Um, his his tenure was uh, marked by the first official recorded outbreak of yellow fever, which not so great. But what are you going to do? Um, and, but because of, he created uh, the city's first board of health in 1817, um, which, among many other things, provided uh, systematic garbage removal and the institution of a uh, port quarantine. So before him, Pioneer. people's people's trash just fucking laid around. And if you had a ship in port that was fucking sickly with anything, who gives a shit? Come on in. So these are things that, I mean, now, of course, we see as necessary and just how did they not have life without that? But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, He, uh, in 1816, he had a comprehensive ordinance uh, regulating theaters. In 1817, housing numbers were instituted. So in other words, houses didn't have addresses until this mayor. Hmm. I that thought that was pretty noteworthy. Uh, yeah, I thought that was ridiculously cool. Um, also, in 1818, uh, he expanded the city limits uh, to include what's now the Eighth Ward. Um, he also, in 1819, instituted the first public waterworks system. Um, its execution entrusted to Benjamin Henry Latrobe, who succumbed to yellow fever there himself uh, the following year. Um, but just to show you how big the city got. So he died because he liked Asian girls. I believe so. Yeah, which is which is weird because Chris seems to be doing just fine. <laughs> you know, we got you got to have the stomach for it. That's right. That's right. Um, tastes like dog. Um, so just to to show how big the city got under his uh, mayoralty uh, during his tenure. Uh, the city grew from 33,000 in population to 41,000. And uh, commerce, which is measured by uh, boat traffic and receipts, uh, pretty much doubled. Um, 
and the the period that he was mayor and then the next mayor uh Rofenjak, uh they named it the uh, uh the expansion of american quarter of new orleans so it was like he was a very noteworthy um you know big player yeah, and yeah. for him to be the the first cousin of the lady we're talking about makes a lot of sense as far as the affluence that we'll we'll speak of and uh just basically how untouchable she was <clears throat> but um <clears throat> it's also weird to think that <laughs> uh someone who did so much good for our city could be so directly related to someone uh well you'll you'll see <clears throat> so we're going to touch real super quick on her, her marriages, because she was married three times. Uh, the third being to uh, Monsieur Lelori. So uh, her first marriage, uh, which was on June 11th, 1800, uh, she married, this, this name is pure gold. It is a sentence long, and I'm going to do my best because it is in Spanish. My okay. hats are tingling. Go Ooh. now, go. Don now. Ramon de Lopez y Angulo, a caballero de la Royal de Carlos. I love it. I love he it. Now was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer, uh, and they got married. Get this, Chris, at the St. Louis Cathedral in 1800. Huh. I didn't like. I knew it was old as fuck. I didn't know it's it was old. that old. Now, if you could say that name. With the Spanish accent fluently, pennies will drop just like that. Uh, <laughs> my headache could not stand the pennies dropping. Um, they will grow so moist, they fall right <laughs> off. Gravity cannot hold them. <laughs> okay, so get this. Uh, since we were a Spanish colony uh, in the 1760s um, all the way to 1804... Louisiana huh. was actually spelled L U I S I A N A. Oh, that's we way had, easier. We had no O in our name. It Fuck was that Louisiana. O. Um, Louis, because it was Louis. That's not right. Louise. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so after the American acquisition, um, Don Ramon had been appointed to the position of Consul General for uh, for Spain territories. Uh, wait, for Spain. In the territory of New Orleans, See, um, you so even he's still say it like Blanco Gringo. Don Ramon is how you're supposed to say it every time. Well, I, every time, well, I, I can't <laughs> roll my R's. This guy is Don Ramon. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, he's still super fucking important and super uh, like high up in the social ladder, even he after uh, you know uh, I think we New lost Orleans Hazel. is is become an American acquisition. Um, Maybe my phone is a piece of shit hello? because somehow... Son of a bitch, they hung out. Oh, Yellow, still recording. Hi, bitch. Yeah, please do.
got Hello. Back on? Are we all here? Okay. We're all still recording. Oh, yes. I believe we were talking about the Ramones and how they changed music. I yes. certainly was. And it's weird because uh, you think them being like, a, you know, an 80s band, but really they were an 1800s band. Uh, and they were based in uh, the Spanish territory of New Orleans, which, you know, they look good. They look good is what I'm saying, even though that all of them are dead except for the drummer who is Marky Ramon, who really wasn't even a Ramon. And I mean, it's weird that they kept finding guys that weren't related whose last names were Ramon. Ah, hmm. uh, that's not weird. It's stage. It's it's fate is what it is, Chris. Fate. <laughs> right, 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 right. So right, right. also in 1804, uh, Delphine and Ramon uh, traveled to Spain. Uh, accounts of the trip vary because it was so fucking long ago. Uh, someone named Grace King wrote in 1921 that the trip was Lopez's military punishment and that Senora Delphine Lopez met the queen who was impressed with Miss Lopez's beauty. Uh, but then Stanley Author's 1936 report dif- differed. He stated that on March 26, 1804, Don Ramon Lopez was called to Spain to take his place at court as befitting his new position but that Lopez never arrived in Madrid because he died en route in Havana. Uh, During the voyage, Delphine gave birth to a daughter named Marie Borgia, uh, Borgia Delphine Lopez y Angulo de la Candelera, nicknamed Borquita. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good lord. mm -hmm. I'm so happy they didn't have checks back in the day. Borquita. Delphine and her daughter returned. in the grocery store behind that. (laughs) Delphine and her daughter returned to New Orleans um, afterwards. Uh, so, basically, they were on their way to Spain. Uh, good old Ramon died, and then, but she had a kid while they were on their way. So they were like, "Ah, we'll just go home." Um, <clears throat> then, uh, in June of 1808, she remarried. Uh, she married Jean Blanc, who was a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator. Uh, at the time of the marriage, Blanc purchased a house at 409 Royal Street, New Orleans, for the family, which became known later as the Villa Blanc. Uh, Delphine had four more kids by Blanc, so that's five total now, uh, named Marie-Louise Pauline, Louise Marie... God damn, lady, it's a vagina, not a clown car. Oh, it's both. <laughs> it is both. Uh, it comes with the music and everything. Uh, Marie-Louise Pauline, Louis... Damn it. Marie, Luis, Pauline, Luis, Marie, Laurie, Marie, Luis, Jean, and Jean-Pierre, Pauline, Blanc. Well, she was clever, wasn't she? Uh, I think... I'm glad you're doing these names, not me. Oh, I'm not. Um, so Blanc <laughs> died <laughs> in 1816. Um, doesn't, doesn't say how or whatever, but they were married for eight years. Which, uh, you know, not bad. Um, and then third and final husband comes in. Uh, Delphine married her third husband, who was a physician named uh, Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalaurie, who was much younger than she was. Uh, they got married on June 25th, 1825. Um, and she probably got tired of them fuckers dying on probably. her. Probably. Oh, shit. And then in 1831, she bought a property at... Uh, 1140 Royal Street, which she managed in her own name with very little involve- involvement of uh, Leonard. Um, 
and then in 1832 had built a two-story mansion there, complete with attached slave quarters. She lived there with a third husband and two of her daughters uh, and maintained a central position in New Orleans society. So She had five kids. What's the deal with that? Um, like, I'm thinking that some of them were grown by then, you know? Because, um, I mean, let's see. She, uh, they, they bought... Uh, they bought that that spot in 1831. She had her first kid. Let's see. Da, 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 da. She had her first kid in 1804. So yeah, some of her kids were grown. 27 years. Yeah. Okay. So, so that makes sense, you know. But uh, the fact that through this whole time, you know, even through all these marriages and everything like that, she is still um, very much you know, a, a sought after socialite, <clears throat> which I don't know if that really mattered, uh, especially in, uh, New Orleans, um, society back then. If, you know, being married, well, I guess it's not like she was marrying and leaving them and like they all died, I guess. So hmm. yeah, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Wasn't a hmm. big deal. So now we will, um, <sighs> We'll get to the uh, the fun part of the story, or as I call it, the fun part. You guys scared yet? Or oh man, no. I got this weird tingle in my not quite, but I don't think it's I don't think it has anything to do with you and your antics. Well, see now I'm let down. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, the then, then again, maybe it does. Does it flatter you? Would it flatter you? Um, I think that it would make me think. About my not quite? Mm. Oh, yeah. As long as it's not <laughs> oh, about your yeah. balloon knot. <clears throat> <laughs> Close enough. Uh, so, this is titled, in my notes, Abuse and Murder of Slaves. Yeah. So the Lalories maintained graphic. they maintained several black slaves in slave quarters. Uh, the slave quarters were attached to their Royal Street mansion. Now, as Chris already knows, Royal Street is not like somewhere off in the fucking the Oaks somewhere that's all secluded and shit. Royal Street, like this mansion is fucking downtown. This mansion is in the quarter. So can't miss it and back then it was also part of the city like it wasn't like they had acres and acres of of cotton or things like that like these were uh, these were house slaves these were uh servants you know more more specifically i suppose um so uh accounts of her treatment of her slaves between 1831 and 1834 are they're really mixed. Um, there was a woman named uh, Harriet Martineau who wrote a book in 1838 uh, recounting tales told to her by New Orleans residents uh, when she visited in 1836. So this is uh, two years after <clears throat> the supposed uh, area of mistreatment that we're, that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. um, these stories claimed that her slaves were observed to be singularly haggard and wretched. 
However, Haggard. in public appearance, yeah, Haggard. Look that up. Um, it's like you know, not looking super good. Disheveled. Disheveled would be good too. Okay. Sure. Yeah, but more like a more like torn apart, Haggard. Like torn apart, oh. disheveled though. Not like not just messed up, but like torn clothes and scratches and you know, Damn. Haggard. Um. However, in public appearances, uh, she was seen to be generally polite to black people and solicitous of her own slave's health. Um, court records of the time show that she even uh, manumitted two of her own slaves. That means set free. You mean emancipated? No, it's, it's called manumitted. Manumitted? It's, it's a word. I looked it up, I promise. Um, huh. And these two slaves were uh, Jean-Louis in 1819 and uh, De Vince in 1832. Um, they got out. What I'm getting was good. Uh, yeah. I mean, and what did they do to, to deserve this treatment from her if all this other shit's true is right. beyond me? Um, right. They rolled her in flour and found the <clears throat> wet spot. Oh. Nevertheless... Martineau reported that uh, public rumors about LaLaurie's mistreatment of her slaves were sufficiently widespread and that uh, during the time a local lawyer was sent to Royal Street to remind LaLaurie of the laws relevant to the upkeep of slaves. During this visit, the lawyer found absolutely no evidence of wrongdoing or mistreatment. So take that as you will, kind of. Could have been just a bunch of haters. It could have been. It absolutely, absolutely could have been. So Martineau also recounted other tales uh, told to her uh, of LaLaurie's cruelty that were current among the residents in 1836. Um, She claimed that subsequent to the visit of the local lawyer, one of LaLaurie's neighbors saw one of their slaves, who was a uh, 12-year-old girl named Leah, fall to her death from the roof of the Royal Street Mansion while trying to avoid punishment from a whip-wielding Delphine LaLaurie. Uh, Leah had been brushing the Delphine's hair when she hit a snag, causing Delphine to grab a whip and chase her. The body of the young girl was subsequently buried on the mansion grounds. That According to quickly. Hmm? Yeah. No, yeah. Ouch, my hair. Come here, bitch. That's crazy. Yeah. And well, so I mean, she fell off the roof? Yes. Oh, the fell off the roof. No, the roof, it said. Like the... the fuck? The goddamn roof, yes. Brushing her um, hair on a roof? No, I think she chased her up there, kind of. Oh. And the okay. little girl thought, hey, the roof, the old white lady will never get me here, see? And then <laughs> she, she, she got her. Um, uh, according to Martineau, this, led, uh, this incident led to an investigation of the, of the Lorries, uh, in which they were found guilty of illegal cruelty and forced to forfeit nine slaves. These nine slaves were then bought back by the LaLauries through an intermediary of one of their relatives and returned to Royal Street. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the story goes that on April 10th, 1834, a fire broke out at the, uh, the old French Quarter mansion. Um, Wonder why. According to one version of this, um, <clears throat> when everyone in the neighborhood poured out to look and gawk, they started to offer help. 
uh, then they noticed something a little odd. Um, the woman of the house was trying to save her jewels and furs uh, without any help from her slaves. When asked where her servants were, she told everyone to mind their own business. Uh, <laughs> hey, I am doing it for myself, you know? They say that, uh, you know, ladies got to do it for themselves, you know? Can't do, do it with nobody girl. else. You just got to you gotta pick up your, your, your girdle straps and you got you to gotta save your jewelry yourself. Who am I going to be to you if I just if I just had my slaves do it all? Well, Nobody. I mean, you never know who's gonna want to make off with whatever they want to make off with and all the commotion. Mm. Mm. I know, right? I would think they'd be more worried about making off with their lives than the, some fucking jewelry, but I mean... Well, you weren't just... a 19th century southern elite woman, were you? I also wasn't a 19th century slave, so I suppose mm. in that respect, I'm entirely wrong. And uh, it, it would have been a better, the best idea to, to make off with your life and some fucking jewelry. Indeed. So, yeah. so as odd as this was, uh, just being told to fucking keep your nose where it fucking is, um, some said that they started hearing faint moans and screams from the attic. Um, so a small group of this of these onlookers took it upon themselves to break into the house to find the woman's slaves um but when they opened the door to the attic they stopped dead in their tracks uh some even vomiting from the stench oh shit what they had found was the torture chamber of madame marie delphine lelori so Renowned so the house New is on fire and they're kicking shit open in the attic? Well, because, I mean, New Orleans was a peculiar place, even in uh, slave days. They still knew that you should value a human life, and that, that's why we had rules on upkeep of slaves. You couldn't just beat them till death, like you, you, or you would go to jail or possibly even worse for murder um okay so i but mean the these house is on fire why are people rushing into a, a house on fire to save other human beings that they knew were oh. in there oh. is that okay? okay sure sure i mean that, that's as good a, that's as good a reason as any but i, I just you know when you picture a, a house on fire and this woman just trying to grab her jewels and stuff i guess it's not really like fully ablaze yet so maybe my mind was just a little a little bit ahead of where it should have been. I, no, I get, yeah. Were there people sitting there chanting that they didn't need no water? Just let that motherfucker burn? Son of a bitch, I was going to use that for the for the intro music. <laughs> Not anymore, though. Now i got to think of something else. <clears throat> so, um, oh, oh, just to back up a little bit, uh, this fire, it's later found out that it was started by the 70-year-old slave cook. Uh, because she had been chained to the stove uh, by Lalori and not allowed to move from the stove. Uh, she was also starving to death. Um, and, like, Lalori would beat her children if she found them feeding the slaves. 
And so this 70-year-old starving to death slave woman started this fire uh, to try and commit suicide. Um, wow. Yeah, because she said the only other place for me to go would be the attic. And whoever goes up there does not leave. So. Jeez Louise. A brief catalog. I mean, Louise. Hmm? Ah, there you go. <laughs> a brief catalog of the horrors that um, her would-be rescuers found in the attic include uh, heaps of corpses, organs, and limbs, slaves pinned to tables or cramped in small cages, live bodies with their eyes gouged, fingernails torn out, ears hanging by shreds of skin, or their mouths filled with animal shit and sewn shut. What? People flayed of skin with festering wounds. Um, Many accounts say that they found one woman whose skin had been peeled off in spirals to make her look like a caterpillar. What? Another, Another with her bones broken and reset so that she looked like a crab. And one more whose intestines had been torn out and knotted around the waist. What? Man, many of these victims were still alive, putrid and starving. What the fuck? Now doesn't that make you glad you've got TV to entertain yourself? Yeah, because Lord knows if I didn't have TV to entertain myself, I would have a horror show of a fucking basement full of goddamn <laughs> minorities I'd torn apart. Jesus, Robert. Might have <laughs> jumping rope in the neighborhood with somebody's entrails. Oh. <sighs> If only. Hmm. Wow. That so, is fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, so, when, uh, the, like I said before, when police and fire marshals got there, they found this 70-year-old woman there uh, chained to the stove by her ankle, uh, which she later confessed to them that she had set the fire as a suicide attempt for fear of her punishment being taken to the uppermost room because she said that anyone who was taken there never came back. And this... Is This is reported by the New Orleans Bee, which is a newspaper, uh, in April 11th, 1834, that um, seven slaves more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Some of them who claimed to have been in prison there for months. Good Lord. <laughs> one of those who entered the premises was Judge uh, Jean-Francois Canogue, who subsequently deposed to having found in the LaLaurie Mansion, among others, and this is in quotes, uh, a negress wearing an iron collar and an old Negro woman who had recently, uh, who had received a very deep wound on her head who was too weak to be able to walk. Canogue claimed that when he questioned Madame LaLaurie's husband about the slaves, he was told in an insolent manner that some people had better stay at home rather than come to others' houses to dictate laws and meddle with other people's business. Wow. Like, you would slap the fuck out of that dude, right? For sure. Like, you got this little fucking uh, 19th century fucking southern dandy telling you oh oh you so you found my my chamber of horrors did you well mind your fucking business yeah but you're saying that to a judge (laughs) this is a fucking judge walks in your house with the cops 
and you're telling them to mind their fucking business. It was a different time back then. It really was. It, it's it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. They, they're they're blatant, goddamned, spitting in the eye of any s- sort of decency whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's, so it was her and her husband that was doing this. Yeah, her husband, the doctor. But oh, it was more. Wow. It was more Lalori's, uh, Madame Lalori's uh, punishment chamber, if you will, mm-hmm. than any kind of experimental experiment place. You know. Ah, okay. Um. So a version of this story uh, circulating in about uh, 1836, which is recounted by Martineau, uh, the lady that we spoke of earlier that that wrote a book. Um, added that the slaves were emaciated. They had showed signs of being flayed with a whip. They were bound in restrictive postures and wore spiked iron collars, which kept their heads in static positions. When discovery of the tortured slaves became widely known, a mob of local citizens attacked the Lalori residents and demolished and destroyed everything upon which they could lay their hands. <clears throat> so, rightfully so, right? I mean... Yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Now, see, I'm a little torn with this, okay? Because Mm -hmm. on one hand, you got these dastardly evil people, right? Right. And and society taking it into their own hands to to deal some justice for, Mm -hmm. you know... Okay, but see, now there's where the question comes into play. Mob mentality happens no matter what the subject is, right? No matter what the whole, the origin, the, the initial fucking thing that sets people off is, mob men, when mob mentality happens, the only outcome is that everything is fucking destroyed and somebody gonna die, right? Other than that, right. they don't really even know what they're, I mean, they eat, okay, so they know what they're mad about, but do they really know what they're mad about? Because now you gotta right. imagine these are point, these are a bunch of white people. A, Do they by really this care? Point, it's a safe bet that they're like, wait, we're tearing a house apart? Yeah, let's go. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, are they are that. they more concerned with the slaves and and the humanity of it, or are they just concerned with the fact that these people got away with some shit and fuck that mob now? You know, I, I mean. You think of think of the level of education. You think of all that shit plays plays a part in in things like that. It's like I keep saying about uh, about how you know it was not that long ago when you could just kill a man in the fucking street and it wasn't a big deal. You weren't right. labeled a psychopath. Sometimes you were labeled a goddamn hero. Right, right, when, right. And like these people, uh, padded most likely were patting each other on the back. After right. this was done, and they were like, "All right, good job. We definitely uh, avenged those poor slaves." Yeah, this this is barely like maybe at best a hundred years after it was okay for the government to hire mercenaries to go and burn down and murder entire villages just so that they could come up in power type shit. Oh yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah. Wow, fucking <laughs> so. So okay. get this. Uh, so a, a sheriff and his officers were eventually called up to uh, to disperse the crowd, uh, but by the time they had, uh, you know, had made everybody go the fuck home, 
uh, the Royal Street property had sustained major damage with scarcely anything remaining but the walls. And then this this is the feel-good fucking sentence of the year. You ready for this? Hmm. The tortured slaves were taken to a local jail where they were available for public viewing. Say what? The New Orleans Bee reported that by April 12th, up to 4,000 people had attended to view the tortured slaves to convince themselves of their sufferings. What the fucking fuck? Mm-hmm. Now, were they charging a mission at the door, or was this just uh, to come on in and look? Um, you know, that's not implicitly stated. I want to think that it was free. Um, cause, well, cause otherwise to convince themselves of their sufferings would have been to look at some weird shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's Kinda not like funny at show. all. It's God not funny at all. It. <laughs> it's really bad. Step right up and see the crab lady. <laughs> oh man. Over here we have the bow tie man. Oh. oh man. Have you ever seen entrails used as a belt? I expect not. I expect not. <laughs> Just two bits. Two bits, people, and you get to see the whole thing. A guy in a red and Pokemon white striped shirt with two a bits. fucking straw hat pointing at stuff with his cane. I have a mustache. You must listen to me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We're all going to hell. Um, the Pittsfield Sun, uh, which is a newspaper, uh, was citing the New Orleans Advertiser, which is another newspaper, and writing several weeks after the evacuation of LaLaurie's slaves' quarters, claimed that two of the slaves found in the mansion had died since their rescue, and added, We understand that in digging the yard, bodies have been disinterred, and the condemned well in the grounds of the mansion have, having been uncovered, others, particularly that of a child, were found. Well, they already knew the 12-year-old was in there because it was stated they buried her on the ground. Right, 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 right. right. Well, I mean, that's just some nosy bitch of a neighbor saying it. You know, who knows if that's true, you know. Oh, so they had Tom Hanks living next to him? I mean, I've been... I've been telling my I've been telling the cops that my neighbor's been burying bodies in his backyard for years and no one seems to care. Nice. Mm. Nice. Hmm. I'm interested so, in this story. So are you saying you are Tom Hanks or are you the fat one from the movie? Right? I'm a little bit of both. Little bit of both. <laughs> it's about a nine on the tension scale. I'm t- I'm Tom Hanks where I'm like I just wanted to stay home and have off today and just relax. But I'm also the fat guy in the fact that I'm like, no, really, he's doing it. But I'm also too scared to hop the fence to check it out. I just like that we all caught the reference. Oh, yeah. Um, and hopefully others will. Yeah. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm glad Rob did that because I would really like to work a Tom Hanks movie into every show. <laughs> Last week was big. Nice. This, this one is... is uh, yeah, the burbs. So we're doing good. We're all we're yeah. two for two, two for two for so far. Um, so now we're gonna take a quick little detour, just to tell you a little bit more about uh, the the Lalori Mansion itself. Oh, can I mention something real quick though? You, um, it's it, gonna be yes. super fast. Um, yes. <clears throat> in in the show, uh, the the season three, the Coven of American Horror Story, they actually. Um, kind of fused her character uh, with Elizabeth Bathory 
of all right. people, which we may wind up doing an episode of later on. I, and I hope probably so. Should and o- often though, the, uh, uh, Delphi and Lalori and uh, and Bathroy are mentioned within the same group of bloodthirsty murderous females. So the blood countess. True, but specifically what Bathory did is what they made Lalori do in uh-huh. the series. So not only did she torture all the slaves and stuff, but she was also doing that other portion. Mm. So take, yeah. taking baths with that sweet sweet rose water. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So so they kind of fused the two characters and I, I mean obviously if you didn't know who you were looking at, you would you would never you would never know that. But um well, if yeah, you watch the show and you're looking at Kathy Bates, you also have no idea who you're looking at because <laughs> Madame Lalaurie, awesome. as awesome and hot as Kathy Bates is in her own way, she's no Lalaurie. Uh, I don't know, man. You got to see the the, the final, uh, the most recent season, the uh, Roanoke. She she looks like I mean, same in, as in Misery, like. The butcher. That bitch looks like she could go straight up nutty on you, like full guano, and yeah, she's 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 good at what she does. I, I wouldn't. Oh, I I I adore her, and I the only episode or the only season of uh, of American Horror Story that I watched was the the Freak Show uh, season, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I really 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 did like it a lot, and her as the bearded lady. Like she just she played it real well, right? And that's a that's another thing, is uh, I I still want to do uh, an episode where we each uh, take uh, a a film or television show uh, that we really like that's even loosely based around uh, real life happenings, and and talk about it because <clears throat> um, indeed because I think they did a a really cool uh, portrayal of the Lobster Boy in that. Well- that's the cool thing about that show as a whole is that every season has in it real life characters like characters that right. were real people but they they manipulate their stories to fit you know as the the season as a whole but for the most part like you know like in in the in that season three with la Lurie, there was uh marie laveau was also in that uh, um season played by um <clears throat> angela bassett Oh sweet! Yeah, I like yeah, her. Yeah. It I was like a her good, bunches. Yeah, it, it was a really good. It was a really good season. I I could have watched an entire series of just that premise. Really good show. Yeah, really good. good show. And the woman, the woman who played uh, Myrtle, who's also in several of the other um, seasons of that show, old, fucking weird, lazy eyed woman she just she's creepy looking but jesus everything i've seen this woman in she she gets me every time she is so fucking good she gets me every time it's i'm gonna have to check it out oh you haven't seen her in cult yet that's the newest season it's the one they just did was called oh i haven't watched that yet she played oh oh yeah it was good oh shit yeah that does sound cool i'm gonna have to check that shit out so so now just just Real quickly, like I said, we're going to touch on uh, <laughs> the the mansion itself because the mansion is uh, it's a ca- it's a character in this story all its own because uh, this will take us to the next step. It'll take us to the next step up. 
So, um, <clears throat> the mansion was occupied by the Lulories, uh, you know, of course, at the time that the 1834 uh, fires started. Um, and well, it was built by her, too, right? Yes, yes, because she, she had just bought the land, and then she built this two-story mansion there. Um, just as a quick little footnote, um, you'll never guess who bought the house later uh, on Nicholas in Cage. its history. I see you guessed that because I had already told you. No, he just does shit like that. Hmm. So Nicholas Cage fucking hate bought, that guy. Bought the house. He's okay. I was going to say Tom Hanks. Why Tom <laughs> Hanks? <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, you would think him out of, I guess, any of these people just so he could, I don't know, brood or tom cruise i honestly did not remember you telling me that nicholas cage bought the house i've really? just heard that that he's done things like that before he's actually bought several mm. old mansions that were historical in that way yeah okay anyway I, um sorry mm. never mind mm. i forgot so I forgot. it's it's on the corner of a uh, royal street and governor nichols street which was formerly known as hospital street um it's three stories high, uh, and in 1928, it was described as the highest building for the highest building for squares around, uh, hmm. which just means it's a big fucking tall building where we don't have like a lot of times when I bring out of towners in like over the uh, you know over the causeway and we see the city coming in you know in the distance, I'm like, hey, there's New Orleans. They're like, oh, where's the rest of it? I'm like, no, it's a, t- it's a tiny little city. It like, is. It's uh, we have a lot of neighborhood, like a lot of big neighborhood, uh, you know, being the wards and things like that that surround the city. But like the downtown city, city proper, is not that impressive. We don't have a bunch of skyscrapers, and like we might have ten tall buildings in the entire city. Yeah, and I was gonna say that you guys are on a swamp. I was gonna say there's right. not many level. squares in a crescent shape. Right, right. There's <laughs> not, unfortunately. So, um, the uh, let's see. With the result that from the cupola on the roof, one may look out over the Vue Carre and see the Mississippi and its crescent before Jackson Square, which. Uh, only people familiar with the area would it's know how view. impressive that is for a building and what an amazing view that would be. Fuck, um, I would love to have bought that land <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. yeah and not well, kill the slaves on it first. Mm, I mean. Well, I mean, see, there's the catch. <laughs> it was in... It was. I mean, it was in, it was in the contract, Chris. I mean, you buy this land, eventually you've got to. She probably and bought she, it for like... Are you going to make the grass grow? She was okay bucks. with it. Most people weren't. Most people were like, mm, let me sleep on it, you know. And then they had to talk to their wives about it, and they weren't cool with it. But then Lori was like, we were give me to do pain. that anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the entrance to the building uh, has iron grill work, and the door is carved with an image of uh, Phoebus. Uh, how do you say that? The old Greek uh, guy with his chariot. P-H-O-E. B U S. Thebes. Phoebes? Phoebes, yeah. Isn't okay. That the name of the city too. So it's it's Phoebes in his chariot and with wreaths of flowers uh, depicting garlands in bas relief. 
Uh, inside, nice. the vestibule is floored in black and white marble, and a curved mahogany railed staircase runs the full three stories of the building. The second floor holds three large drawing rooms connected by ornamented sliding doors whose walls are decorated with plaster rosettes, carved woodwork, black marble mantel pieces, and fluted plasters. Now, um, they mm-hmm. went and rebuilt this whole thing after it burned down they, they and did, after the but, uh, townspeople well, the, beat the shit? Like, literally, the next, uh, the next paragraph explains that. Uh, subsequent oh, to LaLaurie's departure from America... Uh, the house remained ruined at least until 1836, but at some point prior to 1888, it was unrecognizably restored and over the following decades was used as a public high school, a conservatory of music, a tenement, wow. a refuge for young delinquents, a bar, a furniture store, and a luxury apartment building. What? Wait, wait, wait. They got bars in New Orleans? Not They're, anymore. That, I don't I don't I'm not I don't think so. I mean, you, if you really look in like the seedier parts of town, you might be able to find one. But I mean, it's uh I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a bar in our fair city today. Seedy <laughs> parts in New Orleans? You mm-hmm. got to be crazy. <laughs> I know. It it, it you're hard-pressed to find a seedy part, you know? I know. I know. Mm. Maybe that's just because we're super seedy, but um, uh, so <clears throat> so Nicholas Cage is not a vampire. He did not purchase it in 1836. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, chances are he did. It's just you know the paperwork from back then is it's it's spotty. So well, if he's not um, a vampire, I'll punch him in his shit. I challenge him. If he is uh, a vampire. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I eat a lot of garlic, so come on, let's do it. <clears throat> they do have that theory that he is oh, yeah. immortal. Oh, I know. Have you seen the old yes. timey pictures yep. of him? Yep, and it, I, I, that's him. I, I'm going on record right now to say yes, he is immortal, and that is him. And Maybe why he's aging is. right now? You know what? Maybe he's just tired. Maybe he's just, you know, he's tired, and he's like, okay. Uh, Thing that doesn't age me, uh, you can go ahead and age me now. So you, you think know? maybe he's like Dorian Gray? That that whole scenario. I think he's like DeLorean Gray. <laughs> he can only live to 88 every That's time. right. That's right. And then he goes back to the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> as far as the, uh, the, you know, it being a public high school, conservatory of music, a tenement, um, there's a couple of neat little stories having to do with a, a few of these. Um, the, the first really cool story that I've heard, um, and this is from a book. Uh, my mom has had this book for, fuck, man. I was in middle school, I guess, when she got it. Um, it's from, I think, 95 it was written, and it was just called Ghosts of New Orleans. <clears throat> and that's where I had originally uh, heard about this whole story, and it struck me so profoundly the first time I read it. I still remember I was reading it on the bus in the morning on the way to school. Oh, and wow. it freaked me the fuck out so bad that I still remember what the weather was like that day and where we were on the bus route when I read it. <laughs> so when this was a, uh, a tenement house, this is when uh, the Italian explosion happened in New Orleans. When we were overrun is a negative 
connotation to it. Um, we mm-hmm. were inundated. <laughs> Does that have? And we were flush. We were flush with Italians. We were flush with Italians. We had so many Italians. We had two Italians for every uh, every non-Italian that wasn't stuffed funny, like it was a true. Cannoli. Yes, sure. We had a lot of them. Um, a lot of poor immigrants that had just come here to work uh, and things of that nature. So when this place was turned into a tenement house, it was like jam-packed full. Like you had to use a broom to push the rest in through the door so you could fucking shut it at night. Um, there were families of 10 living in old bedrooms. Uh, I'm going to refrain from a Mexican joke. No, you should, because we were talking about Italian, so you should tell an Italian joke. I know. I don't want them to get mad at me. Like, how about, like, how about, like, uh, I mean, they're Italians, so all the grease must have made it real easy to to shove them in there with that broomstick. (laughs) So... Well so, love you guys, Italians, yeah. Um, so, one late night, uh, a, a longshoreman had come home after, you know, being gone for weeks at a time, whatever, and he was, he was tired, and he, he comes home to the tenement house, and he's walking up the stairs, going up to the third floor, and on the landing of the second floor, he sees a, a giant Negro male standing there naked with his with his wrists chained together and as he gets closer I mean he sees this thing plain as day this thing this person and as he gets closer he sees these uh, these marks gouged out of his flesh where where whips had had ripped away you know what was there and he's 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 bleeding profusely and and he's just got this look of, of pure, like, white-hot fury on his face. Mm. And so this big, strong longshoreman, you know, tries, asks him to, to get out of his way because he's just as confused as anyone else would be walking up the stairs and seeing this. Um, and then goes to physically move this man out of his way. And the second his hands are about to touch flesh, is gone. And so him being freaked out, he he runs back up to his his family and they leave the next day. Well, he Um, didn't have to wash his hands afterwards. So that part was good. Yeah, because... Did he grab Luigi? um, (laughs) Hey, Luigi, let's go, man. No, but he grabbed Toad and the Princess, which... Uh, Those are the ones you really want on your team. You Mm -hmm. do. You really do. Mm Mm-hmm. The Princess, because she can float... And Toad, because you can eat them if you get hungry. <laughs> so, uh, oh, the other, the other uh, story of note, as far as uh, other places that have have took took up taken up uh, residence there. Uh, well, first of all, the bar that was there was called uh, the Haunted Bar or Pub or Tavern, whatever the fuck it was called, and they had no activity <laughs> they just enjoyed uh, they, they were there for a long time and people loved going there and they had themed drinks on it and this is like you know uh, early 1900s so it's not like it was uh, you know in the, the 90s or 2000s or whatever when shit like that was real prevalent 
So they, they were fine. But when they shut down and the furniture store bought the place, uh, the guy had his, his store full and ready for business one day. And he goes home, comes back the next day. All of his, every single piece of furniture in his store is completely and utterly ruined by what looks like, uh, it looks to be sewage, basically. It's just like filth. It's like filth's filth is covering everything in the store. So, you know, he thinks to himself, fuck, the the vandals got me. Um, So he cleans everything out and then he gets a whole new shipment uh, and he gets a whole new uh, inventory. And so that night he brings his shotgun in and he's like, well, if those vandals come back, I have a surprise for him. So he's going to stay in the store overnight and catch whoever the fuck's doing this. Well, the next morning, when his employees come to work, they find him in the store. They find every single piece of furniture ruined. And he is out of his fucking mind, babbling crazy. What? Right. Right. What the fuck? Was he even covered in grimy gook? Um, that didn't say. <laughs> so, so he wasn't glazed over? He was. <laughs> he unfortunately was not glazed nice. over. No, sir. Um, Nicely done, Rob. For the win. One more part of this, uh, this house's story. On April 2007, and some... Uh, including, I'm guessing Chris would say this is the scariest part. Nicholas Cage bought the LaLaurie house through Hancock Park Real Estate Company, LLC, for a sum of $3.45 million. The, mor- the mortgage documents were arranged in such a way that Cage's name did not appear on them. On November 13th, 2009, the property then valued at $3.5 million was listed for auction as a result of bank foreclosure and purchased by Regions Financial Corporation for $2.3 million. Wow. <clears throat> what a deal. What a deal. Yeah. You know, that's when, that's when Tom Cruise should have bought it. That's when it was at 2.5. That's fucking... Ugh. Uh, what a mm. fucking, fucking Nicholas Cage. So, back to LaLaurie. Um, we are now going to talk about um, what, what happened to her, uh, her memory after... Oh, oh I, wait, did I not get to that? Uh, hold on. Do, do, do. See, I did notes, and this is what happens when I do notes. So... She and her husband escaped from justice. They, um, they kind of disappeared afterwards. Their life after the fire is not even not well documented. It's not documented. Wow. Um, they Martin o, the country or just the state or what? Um, well, well it's, not it's documented. My bad. It said that while their house was burning and while this angry mob was gathering, I guess this is after the slaves were found, but before the angry mob broke in to tear the house down, um, that 
a a, a black carriage led by four frantic black horses uh, busted through the gates of the home and took off and it said that the Lori family was inside that carriage. Well, that's that's the, that's the last that anyone ever saw of the Lo- the <laughs> they got while the getting was good. What a hell um, of an exit! Martineau wrote in 1838 that Lalaurie fled New Orleans during the mob violence that followed the fire, taking a coach to the waterfront and traveling by schooner from there to Mobile, Alabama, and then on to Paris. A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, certainly, by the time Martineau personally visited the Royal Street Mansion in 1836, it was still unoccupied and badly damaged with gaping windows and empty halls. So, her later life, this is, and this is all speculative, it, it, because there's no proof. Um, so, uh, another guy that wrote a book... Um, about, or not about the Lalauris, but that mentioned them, uh, you know, in part. Uh, George Washington Cable. Uh, he recounted in 1888 a then popular but unsubstantiated story that Lalaurie had died in France in a boar hunting accident. <laughs> um, but whatever the truth, in the late 30s, Eugene Bax, who served as sexton to St. Louis Cemetery, until 1924 discovered an old cracked copper plate in alley four of the cemetery. The inscription on the plate read, Madame LaLaurie, ni Marie Delphine McCarthy, décidé à Paris, le 7 décembre 1842, a large D, and then the number six, and then it cuts off. A rough English translation of the inscription reads, Madame LaLaurie, born Marie Delphine McCarthy, died in Paris December 7th, 1842, at the age of six, and then it cuts off. Uh, According to the French archives of Paris, however, there was a Marie Delphine McCarthy who died on December 7th, 1849, at age 69. So, this plaque says 1842, December 7th, and there are actual papers in the archives in Paris that say 1849 December 7th so that's literally (laughs) all we know about her after the fact so wow after 1945 after 1945 the stories of their slaves uh, and the uh, the the horrible tortures they went through became a bit more explicit and shall we say a bit more loosey-goosey. Um, Jean de Levine, uh, who wrote Ghost Stories of Old New Orleans in 1946, alleged that LaLaurie had a sadistic appetite that seemed never appeased until she had inflicted on one or more of her black servitors some hideous form of torture and claimed that those who, were respond, who responded to the 1834 fire had found male slaves stark naked, chained to the wall, their eyes gouged out, their fingernails pulled off by the roots. Others had their joints skinned and festering, great holes in their buttocks where the flesh had been sliced away, their ears hanging by shreds, their lips sewn together, 
Intestine pulled out and knotted around their waist. There were holes in skulls where a rough stick had been inserted to stir the brains. Oh. Delevingne did not directly cite any sources for these claims, and they were not supported by the primary sources. See, this is kind of where... Well, I wanted to bring to you people a truly horrifying story that gave birth to these wonderful ghost stories. But this is where we find out that the... I mean, the the death toll of the Lalauris had climbed to fucking hundreds, you know, in later years. When, in truth, yes, there were slaves in a locked room in the attic. Yes, um, they were... Uh, mutilated, not to the insane uh, extent that that I I said previous. Um, the number is not in the hundreds, but more uh, seven. That's so still seven too many. That's still seven way too many. But they have these people like um, there's a, a woman named uh, Kalila. Katharina Smith, who, of course, is the operator of a New Orleans ghost tour business, who wrote a book adding several more explicit details, uh, adding uh, a victim who obviously had her arms amputated and her skin peeled off in a circular pattern, making her look like a human caterpillar, and another who had her limbs broken and reset at odd angles so she resembled a human crab. So... Almost all of the new details in her book were completely unsourced, and others were not even... I mean, she gave sources, but none were supported by these sources. That's pretty fucking twisted shit. Yeah. That's almost Human Centipede twisted. Yeah, and and just like Human Centipede, completely and utterly made up whole cloth. For sure. Well, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Indeed. Indeed. So today, modern retellings of the Lori's legend often use uh, De Levine's, uh, what, when was that, uh, 1946 writings and Smith's uh, 1994 or 1998 writings uh, to tell what happened to these slaves and the number of slaves and, and all that. When really, I think the... I think that the original story is horrific enough. I don't know why. I, like, even if it's as, and I hate to say mundane, but compared to these uh, embellishments, this is mundanity at its finest. Even if they were just chained up there and left to burn, that's horrific enough to yeah. to, to warrant these um, these these ghost stories that come after that the the neglect and the just the hate that she showed these human beings that i mean i want to say it with disgust that she treated like possessions no more than things but uh a hard reality is that that is exactly what they were to her 
Right. That is exactly what they were to most of white America at that time, which is shameful and disgusting and and just abhorrent in every way possible. No but doubt. the fact the fact remains that they were her property and she treated them like the garbage she thought they were instead of like the human beings that thankfully the rest of the city that broke in and broke down that fucking door and saved however many were in there knew them to be so there are you know lots of retellings of this in, in modern popular culture um Chris, you, you went on uh, school fucking field trips to uh, the, the Kantai Wax Museum, right? Yeah. You know what? Now that you bring it up, I remember that. I, I don't, yeah. I, I can't say I remember everything that was in it, but wax museums have always creeped me out, so I think I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they had uh, depictions of LaLaurie and some of her slaves in uh, the, the wax museum there. I also personally can't quite recall uh, that specifically. I do remember their little hall of horrors. Um, but, I mean, we had gone there on school field trip after school field trip starting in, you know, kindergarten. Yeah. And they, they walked us through these things. And I actually remember uh, I went to the Wax Museum, I think, the year it closed. Um, matter of fact, not weeks or a month or two before it closed uh, an ex of mine and I uh, just on a whim decided to go and we didn't even know that they were in the process of closing when we walked through but it was uh, you know, like a, a summer weekday and it was the two of us and, and maybe two other people walking through the whole thing and uh, and that was it the whole time when back in the day that would have been crowded as hell and we got out and that was it it was done yeah. and actually i think that's where the uh new orleans museum of death is now ah. which i really 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 want to go to uh and i haven't yet asked uh my new lady uh but i'm sure she'd love to go but just haven't asked that question yet hey babe do you want to go to the new orleans museum of death with me yeah, we have one. It's where the old wax museum was. <laughs> yeah, we have awesome. one. All right, sweet. Well, <laughs> now I have a date to go, so that'll be fun. So, of course, they had they they had her there. Of course, she's uh, you know Kathy Bates plays her in the uh, the third uh, season of American Horror Story. Um, there, there, there was uh, there was one more that I really really wanted it to okay here we go uh delphine lalaurie is a character in the board game evil baby orphanage huh mm-hmm evil baby Never heard of orphanage it. is a board game evil baby orphanage yes sir oh, i gotta find this oh yes i agree you have to find it play it and let us know how it plays for sure. Um, so, I'll be looking that up promptly. So, in in closing, I have a question, a different question for the two of you. 
First, Robert, can you pronounce the name Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo e Caballero de la Royal de Carlos? Convincingly. That would be a hearty no. No? See, you <laughs> answer. no. So you answer quickly <laughs> for that. Any other time, you wait six seconds and then say something. That, though, you were ready right off. Okay. So, no. Uh, Rob, um, I don't know. Like, not being from New Orleans uh, and not growing up hearing the, not just the lore that we that we have here uh, amongst locals but uh just not knowing that feeling when you're <laughs> when it's fall and you're walking through the quarter and you cut through the uh the street next to the cabildo and you're walking down pirate's alley and it's dark as fuck and and you just get this there there's a feeling like even if you don't believe in ghosts and shit there's something there that i don't think is there other places like does this? Oh, well, I was. <laughs> does this story still get across to you? What? I don't know. Just, Chris, help me out here. What am I trying to ask? Your guess is as good as mine, dude. I'm thinking of I all the it. other the... ghost stories I've heard just within the city, and all those fucking strip clubs that everybody I've ever known that's worked in one of those clubs are, are any of the places in the actual quarter and surrounding blocks have mm-hmm. they've all told ghost stories of some kind well that's because they're See, all just ridiculously high on cocaine but i've that been to, to with it. fort mchenry so many times it's where the star spangled banner was written well not technically on the fort the dude was out in the ship in the harbor right but just walking around that and if you stand quiet you can still feel and then i've also been to what was touted as the most haunted bookstore in america in st pete what it's off of uh hmm. yeah what what, yeah. what makes that so haunted where the hell is this it's it's that big ass bookstore on fifth avenue north in st pete oh, borders? Exactly. and it's i know exactly what you're talking about i think i've been in there yes it is touted as the most haunted and it is creepy as hell in there. And it stinks. It smells like old books, oh, yeah. but yeah. it's it's got a different smell than most old books. It, huh. Yeah. Uh, but I've always been back. a fan of the, so, so like, of the uh, movies. So, you know, so uh, horror and ghosts and whatnot. So you know like the the eerie feel that a place can give you. Now uh, oh, yeah. now imagine walking in to this mansion and then you open a door. And then Nicolas Cage is standing there smiling. <laughs> I keep picturing him of that look on his face where it's like the bees. Have you seen that? The different moods of Nicolas Cage. Bees! Yeah, just standing there at the top of the stairway like with that look on his face. That one, that one, you know, 30-second, two-minute part of, of that movie right there where he's got the, the wicker basket on his head with all the bees, that's my favorite movie of all time. I have not seen this, but uh, I really want to now. Wicker and Man. Oh, what movie is that? It's um... it's the Wicker Man. Oh. Mm. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> anyway, I just want to see him being attacked by bees. Um, I always picture the 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 fucking just complete dunce of a look he always has on his face. Um, but also 
you know, the memes of him with the the hair flowing and the fucking in space. That's just his head in space and his his long hair is flowing. Have you guys ever seen that? I don't think I have, but it sounds That's from Con Air. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, it's from Con Air. Yeah, it is. It, but but they they always put that to a space background, and there was some kind of fucking song playing in the back. I don't oh, I don't remember. But it's hilarious. His, his his southern accent from Con Air is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> you got a lot of favorite movies of all time, don't you? That that's a Bible fact. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, <laughs> yes, I I challenge you to spend not one night in the Lolori house. I challenge you to spend three and a half years living within the walls as to not be found and reporting back to us daily. What the hell of a challenge? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you do it... You ain't got nothing going on for the next three and a half years, right? If you do it, I'll buy you a Coke. Oh... (laughs) Is that going to be the Mexican Coke with the real sugar in a glass bottle or just that no, it's gonna, cheap crap they sell in America? No, it's going to be the goddamn Colombian Coke with the, uh, Ooh. the I mean, you still use a straw. But, yeah, um, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You're on, Winthorpe. I mean, mm. uh, Mortimer. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. How did you guys like our, our first uh, haunted episode of See No, Speak No, Hear No? The UFOs, the conspiracies, and murders? I fucking loved it. Yeah? And me. And Rob. <laughs> and Rob's already forgetting his new responsibility. Email us at see no, hear no, speak no pod at gmail.com. If you've got questions, if you've got answers, we could use some of those probably. If you've got an itch that you just can't seem to reach. Hmm. Jason has a clean hand for you. Or is it I clean? Mean, and also, free medical advice. Just take a picture of that weird thing you got on your leg that you never knew, never know what the heck it is. And just take a picture and email it to us and we'll f- try to figure out what that is for you. Just care of Rob <laughs> on that one. Because I don't need to be seeing like ingrown <laughs> hairs or like goddamn larvae coming out of shit. Ugh. You're the only one that opens email, Jason. That's I am. what I'm saying. Hey, man, I got... <laughs> Corporal I got, private robots. <laughs> I got two free dollars to use in the in the Google Play Store today because I opened the emails. Yeah, I swiped it over. I had sent it to you. I swiped it. It popped up oh, did on you? my phone and I was like, oh, Jason will love that. I better swipe it. I will love that, and I did love that, and thank you, Robert. Uh, uh, Chris, you're Chris. You're not. You're not Rob. You're That's Chris. Right. So, I will force you to procreate and destroy your children in front of you. Chris Trismegistus Barrios the Third dot com and Rob's Burgers. <laughs> we had fun tonight. We did. This is a fun episode. I like this. This was a fun lot. episode. This was a fun episode because uh, literally everyone involved in it is dead and has been for a long time. Um, and it was fun to find out that, you know, it probably, not nearly as many people suffered or nearly as horribly suffered than was reported. True. I guess. 
So tune in next week when we put Chris in the hot seat to come up with something that he can get through without Jason pissing him off. Ooh, That's right. Tune in. Which is literally impossible. Yeah, no, I think I just figured out my next episode to today, and um, I wasn't going to do one of these, but I think it's my turn for um, a Wacky Humans episode. Yay, we're real-world horribleness. Oof. Yeah, yeah, really real-world horribleness. This is, this is going to be an interesting... It's a twofer, I'll tell you that, off, the, off top, so it's going to be exciting. Sweet. Sweet, yeah. sweet. I mean, so, not, not, it, it, never mind. You, he means not a two-parter, but a two-for-one-er. Mm. Correct. Correct. So, we will see you, or actually, we'll never see you, ever, because <laughs> little, I mean, we were going to wait till the 100th episode to tell all, all of you guys this, but we're all blind, so. Indeed. We will, we will never see you. We're Don't be sad. Don't be sad, though. No, no. See, we see with our hands. So I sometimes see with my tongue. So bring them, bring them privates. Is what we're saying. <laughs> the corporal will inspect for, uh, for uh, you know, what's, what's the word I'm searching for? Um, good product. Time for countdown. <laughs> Three, two, one. Adios, muchachos. Bye-bye. And a buenos nachos. screen when you fuckers hung up on me. Later, kids.